0: G'day listeners, it's your host Matt here, and I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of The Revel Brewing Show. For those of you tuning in for the very first time, we're coming to you from Balimba in Brisbane, Australia, and we discuss all aspects of the culture that encapsulates independent craft beer. We hope you've been enjoying our episodes about Maddie and Hendo's trip to Germany. In this episode, we discuss their trip to the Gosa Houses and interpreting these unique styles of beer we also touch on how even though some of the beer styles may differ from australia to germany the same concept of supporting the local community and its breweries is a strong similarity when comparing the beer scenes now without further ado roll the intro
1: bit of dutch
2: courage everyone
1: have a beer after eight
2: beers (laughs) each well-oiled Yeah yeah absolutely you know um, like uh, you know like another area where we went um, you know we went to Leipzig which is very famous for uh, the goza beer style and you know goza beers are sour and they're known for being sour and salty and i uh, my my perception of trying the goza beers for the first time actual beers from leipzig was well you know they're not as sour and not as salty as i was kind of expecting Mm. um and it sort of highlights like our like a an australian brewer you know we get caught in our own little australian craft beer bubble you know and we're going oh i'm gonna make a goza and and all that all that style of beer that you're making is what your perception of what you think it should be but it's not until you actually go there and try it where you're like oh right okay so there's some um, you know some some nuances in this beer. There's some um, there's some finesse. There's little things that you need to sort of pick out. Um, that they're not overly salty and they're not necessarily fruity. Although you can get them with fruit in them, um, but you just need to be observant and mindful of these really cool styles. So, so. B-
1: roughly about this time last year, I brewed my first ever gosa. A style that I'd never made before. So actually did a bit of research about where the style had come from and all that sort of thing and read a book by Fal Allen, who's the uh, the brewmaster at Anderson Valley in the States, who's sort of, I guess, reinvigorated Gosar as a style for craft brewers. Um, and he actually went to Light Beach, the city we went to and caught up with some of the brewmasters we got to meet and sort of studied the history of it. And um, the style has evolved so much over the years that I've actually lost parts of history about it and um, there is this perception of the salty sour beer mm. but I think that was more to do with the water source and also the brewing techniques at the time but they were brewing them in open-top fermenters where wild yeast bacteria could just fall into the fermenter. That was where they were getting their sourness from and then originally they weren't, make, they weren't made in Leipzig. so they were made in a little town called Goslar where the name Gosa comes from. And the water source used to run by salt mines, so they actually probably had a pretty high salinity count in the water and that's sort of how the style
2: or people's perception of the style how originated. Your, how was your perception of the style, uh, like the, the your first ghoster that you brewed last year um, and how you sort of perceived it in your mind having never been to Leipzig how did that actually compare to what you actually It's quite drank? different.
1: To be honest, when we make the Gosa still, I make it more like a Berliner Weiss where we sour it in the kettle, mm-hmm. whereas I don't think any of the beers we drank were kettle sour. No. So even that alone, that's a massive difference in the way they make the beer, but that was that was my perception of what the beer should taste like to give it that sort of it's acidity. It's almost like you're
2: brewing a salty Berliner Weiss. Yeah, as that's pretty what much
1: up. what I thought it was. But now, having been there and drinking beers from the Gosa houses, actually were a lot different. To me, it almost tasted like a slightly acidic Kolsch or something like that. Yeah. And we went to probably three or four, and they're all different. So it's, it's quite interesting. Some of them
2: even had like, uh, like a, a Britannomyces, so like a funky kind of character to them. And, and, and we were sort of going, and we picked up on it and we looked at the style guideline. Um, and we went, oh, yeah, that's actually a valid characteristic of it. And so I think probably if you looked at it from a, a technical and historical perspective, it's like um, they obviously didn't have good control over the microorganisms and sanitation and that sort of thing and that's just how they wound up and that's what they were drinking.
0: And so there's a slight randomness factor to how it was in the beginning <coughs> that's Absolutely. just the style. The randomness. style yeah. is one
1: of the, um, the older styles that's recorded. So in that, in that sort of area of northern Germany, they were brewing a beer that became known as Gosa, and it went, th- went through periods of time where it just kept evolving, and <laughs> there's all this lost history, which is sad, but also little chunks of history of how the style should taste, and then the next brewer got a hold of it, and they evolved it, and so on and so on, to, as to what we sort of perceive it as now.
0: It's good that the the brewers have still taken that and maybe they've added their own spin to it a little bit but still tried to carry that
1: on through. And the 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 interesting thing, actually, the Ryan Heusengebot that uh, Hendo was talking about (laughs) before, I don't even think that's how you say it, is the German purity law, this beer style is not part of it. So you can actually make a Gosa that doesn't have to follow those strict laws. So that's quite interesting in itself. Why is that? I'm not sure why that is. (laughs) (laughs) They got an exemption by one of the kings (laughs) at one stage. So, well, yeah. he's obviously had some
0: guys
2: pretty. Good. Yeah, we well, it's, not it's gone through periods this. where
1: it's been very popular and it's died off and been, had a rebirth.
2: So Did you think about the the Reinheitsgebot, right? They they call it a, a like a, German, a beer purity law, but you know in 1516 it was about um, you know beer was food, and so they, it's like we have food laws now that we or food standards we we take for granted, but you know they didn't have anything like that at the time, and so they had to balance things like making sure that people were getting what they paid for that their beer was actually beer. They also wanted to protect the wheat crop from being diverted into beer. So wheat is not allowed in uh, – no, wait, sorry. They wanted to – is wheat in the Reinhardt's Cabot? No. no. So no wheat beer. So, no, so yeah. So, okay. Um, and so they wanted to stop wheat from being diverted from making bread to making beer. So hence it was all barley and that sort of thing. What's a Hefeweizen then? Is that Reinhardt's Kvot? Because we went to the Schneiderweiss thing yeah, well, in Munich. That was good.
1: I'm not he, sure. That's...
2: In Australia, like you say, if you make a wheat beer, like no one's going to buy it because we just don't – we don't have this thing built up in our head that we don't like wheat beer. But we we spent a day in Munich. We went to the Schneiderweiss um, beer hall. In, in It wasn't in the Oktoberfest. It was in Munich in the old town. That was awesome. We had some really cool. That's another example.
1: Beer. All they do is make wheat beers. Yeah. Whereas, it's someone, a that they just w- make wheat beer. They wouldn't fly in Australia at all. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't get away You'd be with broke. that. You'd be so yeah. broke. <laughs> so, that, yeah. And some of them were absolute crackers. So it's just, again, tradition that's been going on for 700 odd years. But well, they just make this particular style of beer and it's loved, yeah. which is, yeah, which is well, great.
0: I'm sure after 700 years, they've got that down patty yeah Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 absolutely so but it wasn't like you know like maddie was saying it wasn't until we really got to berlin where we actually got to go to some craft breweries you know i mean i think the closest thing we got to before that was after we went to the hop harvest um sent us to the um to the bathhouse global headquarters where they have like a little 100 liter pilot brewery with you know Cut twenty odd tanks in there, and they're just constantly brewing with these hop varieties, trying to make something new. Um, uh, but but when we got to Berlin, then we actually got to try some craft beers. a Very, you know, sort of modern and eclectic city, and so craft beer really sits in well with the the Berliner culture. Mm-hmm. You're being experimental and progressive and that sort of thing, so.
0: There's similar range of varieties that we would have here, and maybe in America and yeah, things like interestingly, that. interestingly,
1: it was, it was quite similar to going to a craft brewery in Australia or the States where they're making American pale ales, American IPAs, yeah. all that sort of stuff that we would make here, so that they're making in the German craft breweries.
2: I was keen for an American pale ale by the time we got to Berlin. <laughs> yeah,
1: after drinking lots of lager.
0: <laughs> so basically uh, at the Oktoberfest, the lager is that, that
2: main that main beer, but obviously diff- they're different styles. Helles and Metz in, in yep. Oktoberfest, yep, just lagers. And then, you know, getting to Berlin and, and, and trying some some IPA and all that sort of stuff. Even then, you know, the brewers themselves weren't necessarily German. They might have been a British or a Scottish, you know, Import or something like that. We met an Australian
1: brewer at one of the breweries.
2: Yeah, that was pretty cool. And um, uh, and and even then, they're still very conservative with what they do. So they're not they're not really. We never saw one milkshake IPA or anything like that. (laughs) The thing is, is that the the styles be even though they were like sort of um, you know American skewed variants of that. Really didn't they didn't really turn the dial up to eleven or anything like that. So there was still that sense of being traditional and you know true to what a German brewer believes in, or even the German consumer and that sort of thing. You know, so um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was very interesting. Good beers, but mm. very interesting to see. So suppose everything's <coughs> a supply and demand thing, no matter where you are, anyway. No, no, no. In, no. in Germany, beer is a commodity. It's okay. everywhere, and it's cheap. Like Stone Brewing had, is it Stone Brewing? Yeah, Stone Brewing yeah. built a massive brewery in Berlin, thinking that they were going to take they were going to take craft beer to um, you know to the all of Europe and the Germans, and that we'd get them off their fizzy yellow beer and that sort of thing. But the Germans love their fizzy yellow beer, mm. and they value it, and they and it's it's part of deeply ingrained in their culture, um, and so they're very protective of it. And so, um, you know that that brewery since got sold to Brewdog. What was your favourite beer in Germany? You had a lot. Yeah. Not, just not not like you know point just and Germany, out, not the highlights. Uh, just think Germany road beers, road beers, road beers.
1: Yeah. Uh, my favourite, well, one of my favourite beers in Germany was definitely the Augensteiner. Um, Augensteiner, yeah. Augustiner. We were talking before about Oktoberfest. And um, there is, I think there's only five or six main breweries and then from there, their beers are spread throughout the tents. But the Augensteiner is still uh, family-owned and the only sort of independent brewery that's at Oktoberfest. And it's very traditional. So as Hendo yes. mentioned, they still serve beer off wooden casks. So literally a big 400-litre cask with a little bronze tap and that's how they serve their beer. Yep. So then that beer is it's delicious. Originally you, it was made by monks.
2: everywhere, all over Germany, even up in Berlin. You, you know, you could go to, um, you know, Aldi and get like Augustina Helles and it's just, it's the beer that suits the style and I aspire to make a beer as good as Augustina Hellas.
1: So cutting ahead in our travels a little bit, after we left Hendo at the Berlin airport, uh, Emma and I drove through Prague uh, Budapest, and had to drop the car back in Munich where we would hired it. So we stayed in Salzburg for a couple of nights before we were due to go back to Munich. So Salzburg used to be part of Bavaria. It's almost on the border as part of Austria. And um, we got there and my beautiful wife said, I've got a bit of a surprise for you. And funnily enough, there was an Augustiner Brow in Salzburg. Oh, no way. Wow. <laughs> so this brewery that we loved at Oktoberfest actually had a brewery there and an old beer hall that was actually... Well, I'm
2: not sure if they're related, the the Salzburg one and the Bavarian one.
1: Oh, right. But no, no, no oh, I just don't mean, know. I'm, so I'm going to do some <laughs> research on that. Yeah. I don't mean to weep <laughs> you yeah. out about yeah. it. Again, this had been here since 1300. But it's, <laughs> it's
2: still bloody good regardless, so it's eight, you know. 800
1: years old. And this is a Monday night we rolled in there. There would have been 5,000 people <laughs> at this beer hall. So you go in there and you... <laughs> it's because Monday. Monday. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a is, Monday. And you're man. also two hours
2: drive from <laughs> Oktoberfest. <laughs>
1: So you go in there and you choose. You either have a, a half mass, half a litre or a full mass um, and then pay the man and they, the same. The barrels aren't quite as big. I think they were 200 litres but, again, they're serving it straight off the wood. Hmm. So if anyone's ever seen the beer tragedy, go to the uh, <laughs> the <laughs> Breakfast Creek Total and tap and his forex off, the wood. off this, the wood. This is where it actually came from. Yeah. Yeah,
2: so. So he's seen that and gone, where can I do this here? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, I, the best thing was like the food that goes with the beer. You know, we ate so many, so much and which is like this big pork knuckle. And we were just, that was just the benchmark of every town that you went to is what's the pork knuckle like? Because <laughs> mm. in Bavaria, it's like roasted. If you go to, say, Frankfurt, they boil it. Um, you know, it's different in Leipzig and that sort of thing. And so pork knuckle, nurdle, which is like potato dumpling, and um, sauerkraut. And sauerkraut. That's that's the, the German, German that's that's diet. The diet. But I mean that that's great
0: because it's like they're the other thing that that's the other thing that complements the the brewery. You know, you've got yeah. the beer, the food coming coming there for everything, and yeah, you, you wanted to go around and try that as well. So. It's
2: it's it, the food was pretty much no matter where you went it was always pork knuckle. Um, you would always get sausages of various types. You would get. Like schnitzel would be pretty rare, but half chicken, always half chicken. <coughs> and there was there was like these uh, like uh, little sort of beer halls just in Munich that would just be a beer hall that would be revolve around roast chicken. And you just get a half roast chicken. It's
1: really though if you look at it and how um, the craft beer scene has evolved firstly I guess in the States and now here in Australia, um, it's all about the brew pub. Yeah. Um, and really that has come from like Germany where they have their the beer hall where they actually have the brew there. You go to the beer hall where the beer is made and that's what we're doing now. We're basically recreating that. Um, It's taken, really taken off in the States and then here in Australia, like here, for example, like we see 100 people. It's nearly exactly the same. You want to go to the source where the beer is made and that was was probably the best thing about it.
2: And then there's the whole, you know, there's the community aspect to it as well. It's It's a place that, mm. you know, we're so stuck in sitting in our own lounge rooms and watching Netflix, whereas we could be in a local beer hall conversing with our neighbours, drinking locally made beer, mm. you know, um, made in this neighbourhood and that creates a community in itself. So It's almost like
1: your local football side that you support. It has that sense of like community and sort of that feeling that yeah. you're proud of like your local brewery and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. It sounds like um, even though... Uh, there's a lot of things that are different. A lot of things still remain the same. Oh, absolutely. G'day listeners, it's your host Matt here again and I just want to say a quick thank you for listening to this episode. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page at Revel Brewing Co. Belimba or send us a DM on Instagram. Our handle is at Revel Brewing Co., all one word. Again, if you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe on your podcast player to stay in the loop. If you're from the local Brisbane area, we'd love to see you in the brewery sometime in Oxford Street, Balimba. Until next time, remember, good people drink good beer.